Well, hello. I'm glad you could be with me today as we get into God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're working our way verse by verse through books of the Bible, and we're now in 1 John. We're in the fifth chapter, and I'm going to pick up our reading in verse 6 today of the fifth chapter of 1 John, verses that we've begun to look at yesterday. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself, and whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. We are in the midst of talking about some of the proofs that God has given us that the gospel promises are true. Four proofs, in fact. And to have these proofs is very important for us because the gospel promises revolve around the most important issues of life and eternity. How can we know that we will be saved? How can we know that we are able to be forgiven from our sin? How can we know that we will have eternal life with the Heavenly Father? Proofs are important. And as we saw yesterday, uh, the scripture sets up the pattern of the fact that important claims need proofs and testimonies. We talked about the claim regarding the murder of someone, and we talked about claims regarding accusations about elders. God has set this pattern in the scriptures of proofs necessary for critical claims. It would make sense to us that the gospel, which has the greatest claim of all, that God would ensure that there's some testimonies to its truthfulness. Now, by the way, in point of fact, the very fact that God has said it should settle it. In other words, if God has re related to us a truth, the truth of it is based on the truthfulness of God. Nonetheless, God has said, in addition to the fact that I've said it, here are some proofs that confirm it. So he provided four truths. Let's look at them together. The first ones, he says, are linked together. Proofs one and proofs two. The water and the blood. This is he who came by the water and the blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And later on, he says, the spirit, the water, and the blood, these three agree. <laughs> the testimony of the water and the blood. God says, here are some unique testimonies to the truth of the gospel. The water and the blood linked to the one who came, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh to dwell among us. Now, different ideas have been suggested over time about the water and the blood in what way in which they become a unique testimony or witness to the truth of the gospel. Some have suggested, some Bible teachers have suggested over time, that the water and the blood can best be understood in terms of the birth, the incarnation. The sense that in physical birth, certain terminology is used. For example, the breaking of the water. 
referring to the ambiotic fluid that that breaks upon the beginning of the birth sequence and then the fact that in birth there's inevitably blood because of the bleeding of the placenta as the child is born and so thinking about birth true real birth there's going to be a water breakage of amniotic fluid and the bleeding that comes from placenta it's possible that's the reference here, because certainly throughout First John, there's been the emphasis on the incarnation and the, wor- and the word made flesh to dwell among us and the wonder of all of that. And the fact that we, that in professing that, those who refuse to profess that prove that they're false teachers just by that very refusal to accept the physical incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's possible that's what it's referring to. But I don't think that's the intent at this particular point in time. Others have suggested that, well, the proof that God is talking about here is the proof of the fact that water and blood came from the side of the Lord Jesus on the cross as the, as the soldier put a spear in his side to ensure that he was dead. You remember how it's put in John 19, verses 34 to 35. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And he who saw this has borne witness, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, that you may also believe. So here we're talking about testimony, we're talking about witness, and as the soldiers went around to decide, should we break the legs of the different ones on the cross in order that this could be finished before the Sabbath begins. Uh, They came to Jesus. It looked like he was already dead, which in fact he was. But the soldier, to be sure, puts the spear in the side, and out of the side came the separation of blood and water, one of the signs of physical death in an individual. Is that what God is referring to here? He certainly used the word testimony in relationship to it. Well, it's possible But I still don't think that's what's going on here. I don't think that's what God is trying to draw our attention to. Although you could certainly find a testimony to the truth of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross in the spear thrust. And you can find, as I already said, a testimony to the truth about Jesus Christ through the incarnation with the water and the blood at birth. But I think the best idea here, the most likely one implied, is the, is the witness that came uniquely at the water baptism and the witness that came uniquely at the death of Christ on the cross. So let's look at those a little bit further. At the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a special testimony given from God about who this was that was being baptized. Remember in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, listen to these words. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, and of course the voice is God the Father, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, the context of 1 John 5 that we're looking at is the context of special testimony given to the proof of the gospel. Here in Matthew chapter 3, 
we read about a special verbal witness that the Heavenly Father gave related to Jesus Christ. At his baptism by John the Baptist, God confirmed, this is my beloved son. It's not the only place God confirmed that, but it's one of the places. And so it's reasonable to assume that part of the witness of the water is tied to those events surrounding the baptism of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist. The water. What about the blood? Well, I think that the blood here is in reference to the shed blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. Remember, several times now in 1 John, he's been talking about the propitiation of God's of Jesus Christ on our behalf, the shedding of his blood, and that, that shedding of his blood covered the sin of our lives. The fact of the matter is, at the cross of Jesus Christ on Golgotha on that Good Friday so long ago, a number of witnesses were going on, a number of testimonies were being given by God about the truth of the claims of Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel. Certainly and most obviously, going to the cross involved the shedding of his blood. At the time of his death on the cross, there was the splitting of the veil in the temple, separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple so that God was demonstrating that through the death of this one, his son on the cross, access to God was able at long last to be available to all who would seek him. Then on Easter morning, that first Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead became a confirmation in its own right, a witness in its own right to the wonder of the cross and the gospel. In fact, I've read to you before out of Romans chapter 1, how he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, talking about the Lord Jesus. So, while certainly his birth, his incarnation, the shedding of amniotic fluid and the shedding of blood at his birth could be the idea here, certainly the spear in the side and the separation of water and blood affirming the death of Christ could be the idea, but I think most of Clearly, the idea that is being given at is that the witness of God's verbal witness at the baptism of Christ, and then the witness of God through all of the events of his death and resurrection, confirmed to us in a special way that he is who he claims to be. Well, join me tomorrow as we build on this further and look at the third and fourth testimonies to the truth of the gospel. <laughs>